CBS Radio's Dr. Christian was broadcast on every Sunday from November 7, 1937 through January 6, 1950. It was a soap opera, but not your everyday soap opera. This soap opera played like a serial drama as each episode was complete, except in the show you're going to hear this time. But to keep listeners abreast of the goings-on, past activity was often referred to within other episodes, as is done with all other soap operas. Dr. Christian was portrayed by Jean Herschel, who also played Shirley Temple's Alps-dwelling grandfather in the movie Heidi. Does anyone remember that film? It's a classic. The female lead of Nurse Judy Price was played by Rosemary DeCamp, Maureen Tuttle, Kathleen Fitz, and Helen Clare. Not all at the same time, of course. The opening theme's music was Rainbow on the River. Dr. Christian was so popular, and Herschel's portrayal of him was so real, that he consistently received mail from listeners asking for medical advice. As a side note, the analytics that I get indicate that Dr. Christian is quite popular with you. And that's a good thing. I enjoy these shows, too. Dr. Christian, a country doctor in the small town of River's End, gave wise advice. Never talk down to those he doctored. The episodes appear to be so current that it's hard to believe much of Dr. Christian was written over 84 years ago. On this track, you're going to hear part one of a three-part story entitled The Milk Racket. Here, where the entertaining Vaseline Petroleum Jelly commercials included, is the February 27, 1938 Part 1 of The Milk Racket. Now, Parts 2 and 3 of this story are also posted on this podcast. So to hear the entire story, there are three 28-minute tracks. The Dr. Christian programs can be found in the playlist Soap Operas and Medical Dramas. Thank you for listening. My name is John Lovering, and I'm the host of the podcast. I appreciate the support. California, we bring you Chapter 17 in the story of Dr. Christian, presented for your enjoyment by the Cheesebro Manufacturing Company, owners of the trademark Vaseline, and starring Gene Hersholt. Gene Hersholt has been a headliner in Hollywood and the screen world for 25 years. His 25th anniversary occurs on March 7th of this year. To celebrate, he has prepared for you a souvenir book called Gene Hersholt's Album of Hollywood Stars. From his own private collection of stills taken from some of the greatest motion pictures made in the last quarter century, Gene Hersholt has selected the most interesting ones for this book. Stars such as Sonia Henney, Clark Gable, Myrna Loy, Marie Dressler, Robert Taylor, Shirley Temple, Mary Pickford, Warner Oland, Joan Crawford, Rudolph Valentino, and a host of others of your favorite screen luminaries appear in these stills. Together, the set constitutes a real cavalcade of Hollywood. Everybody who attends motion pictures should have this souvenir book. And thanks to Gene Hersholt, who provided the pictures, and the makers of Vaseline Products, who sponsor this show, the album is available to everybody for the nominal cost of 10 cents for preparation and postage. You don't have to bother with box tops. 
Just write a letter addressed to Vaseline Products, 17 State Street, New York, and close 10 cents and say, I want Gene Herschel's album of Hollywood stars. Be sure your own name and address are clearly written so there will be no delay in forwarding your book. Along with the album, we will send you our first aid chart prepared for you by Dr. Shirley Wynn, former health commissioner of New York City. Every family needs this chart, which tells you what to do in emergencies before the doctor comes. There is no extra charge for the chart. You send 10 cents to Vaseline Products, 17 State Street, New York, with your own name and address, and you get back Gene Herschel's album of Hollywood stars containing 36 marvelous pictures, and the first aid chart will be included. There's just one thing, though. Do get your letter in the mail at once. We've had such a big run on our first edition of the album that unless you act quickly, you may have to wait for the reprint. And so to another chapter in the story of The Doctor of River's End, starring Jean Herschel. Our opening scene is a stretch of lonely, dark highway. Over it, roaring through the night, comes a motor truck. In the truck, the shadowy figures of two men. I've lost sight of him again. He's rounded the curve. We'll pick him up. See? There's his taillights at the head. He's sure putting that milk truck over the road. Hey, the way we're traveling, we'll be in Center City in a couple of minutes. Yeah. If we're going to get him, we've got to do it right now. But it kind of takes nerve to plow into him when we're going this fast. I wish we could skip it. Not a chance. Hey, hey, we could say we missed him. Say we didn't see him on the road. Listen, buddy, just forget the alibis. They ain't going to get you nowhere. We got our orders. Hey, who's behind all this? I don't know. I don't ask questions. And if you're smart, you won't either. The less you know in this business, the better off you are. Our job is to do what we're told, keep our mouth shut and... Yeah, no killing. I know. Only I wish I was out of it. I didn't realize what I was getting into. Yeah, you're making good dough, ain't you? Taking no risk. We're as safe as if we was home in bed. Well, if we're going to do this, let's get going. How are you going to handle it? Well, I'll drive up alongside him, see? Like I was going to pass him. Uh-huh. Then crowd him over to the edge of the road, sideswipe him into the ditch. Are you all set? Yeah, I'm all ready. Okay, hang on, because here we go. All right, buddy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I guess I smacked into him pretty hard. Boy, look at them milk cans scattered all over the lot. I never saw so much milk spilled around in all my life. Lefty. Yeah. Look, the the driver of the milk truck. Yeah. Knocked out cold. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? I'm going to see if he's hurt. Never mind him. Come on, get back. We've got to step on it. I'll only be a minute. Come on, we don't want to hang around here. Listen, there's a car coming. Hey, let's see. Get in the truck, you sap. There's a car coming. Get in. Yeah, but the driver... I said forget him. Get in.
Yeah. Yeah, this is Dr. Christian. No, hello, Ross. Smash up. What? Another one? Well, that makes the fort in two weeks. What did it happen this time? I see. Well, where are you now? Yes. Yes, I know what the center garage is, but... All right, Ross. I'll go right to the accident and see you there. Yes. Yes, I'm leaving right away. do you think it'll take Dr. Christian to get here? Not more than ten minutes. Seems to me it's been more than ten minutes since we left the garage. That poor guy certainly looks like he's in a bad shape. Yeah. We got here a couple of minutes after it happened. The other truck was just pulling away. When I saw the poor fellow there, I figured the best thing for me to do was to get to a phone and call the doctor. Uh-huh. Lucky your garage was open. Well, whose truck ran into him? I don't know who was driving it, but Bob Marvin was with him. Bob Mar- Bob Marvin of River's End? He was standing in the road as I drove up. My headlights were right on him. As the truck pulled out, he hopped on. Don't you think we ought to do something? Wait. That must be Dr. Christian's car now. Dr. Christian! Hello, Ross. Hello, Pete. Hello, Doctor. Where is he? Still in the truck, Doctor. He's kind of jammed into between the seat and the steering wheel. I was afraid to try to move him. Yes. I see. I, I shook him by the arm, but he, he didn't answer. All right, give me a hand here. Yes. Take him under the arms, Ross. And when I say ready, try to lift him. Uh, take it easy. Lift him gently. Okay. You see if you can pull that steering wheel back a little. He must have hit the bank here with an awful jolt to bend the steering column this way. All right. All right, ready? Uh, I can't move him, Doctor. Well, well, try it again. Get him on this side. Yes. All right. All right, that's better. Now, take it easy. Now, wait till I get his feet. All right. You got him? Yeah. Careful now. That's fine. We'll take him over there in the light of the car. All right. Put him down carefully. Gee, he isn't a bad way. Yes. Pete called the ambulance before we left the garage. Yeah, I figured you'd want to take him to the hospital, Doc. I'm afraid it's too late for that. He... You don't mean... Yes. He's dead. Oh, back already? Yes, I only had one call to make. I just met Ross Withergo. He feels pretty badly about Bob Marvin being arrested. Mm, everybody does. Yes, I know, but Ross was the one who reported Bob to the police. He feels he's brought an awful lot of trouble on Bob and his mother. But Ross saw Bob at the accident. He had to tell the police. Well, put yourself in Ross Whitaker's place. Suppose the grand jury indicts Bob and he has to stand trial for manslaughter. And he's convicted. Oh, but I... Well, the maximum penalty is ten years. If Bob is sent up... Ross will always feel he's responsible for it. Oh, Bob won't be sent up. The grand jury won't even hold him for trial. Bob didn't have anything to do with the smash-up. He wasn't driving the truck that did the damage. He doesn't even know who the driver was. No, that driver seems to have completely disappeared. And the truck, too. Why didn't Ross Whitaker get the truck's license number? Uh, he should have, but he didn't. I suppose he was too excited to think about it. Yes. Well, at least there's one piece of good news. 
If the grand jury holds Buff for trial, he'll have the biggest lawyer in the state to defend him. Who? James Benson Clark. Not the James Benson Clark. Yes, the one and only. Well, the Marvins used to be fairly well-to-do, but at that, I don't see how they could afford to hire a man like James Benson Clark. <laughs> it isn't costing them a cent. What? Why? Do you remember some years ago, before Mr. Marvin dies? No, I, I guess you don't, because you were too little then. But Clark was in the state senate, and Marvin, well, he did him some sort of a favor. Well, Clark remembered it. Who told you? Roy Davis. You know, he went Bob Marvin's bail. Yes. Well, anyway, when Clark heard about Bob being in trouble, he wired Mrs. Marvin and offered his services. I understand Clark's in town right now. Left all his affairs in the city and came down here just to defend Bob? Yes, and for nothing. Ah, oh, that's one of the finest things I've ever heard. Yes, once every so often someone does something which makes you believe the human race isn't so bad after all. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Marvin. Good morning. Dr. Christian was just telling me about James Benson Clark. Wasn't it fine of him, Judy? Yes. Well, I scarcely know him. But he was a friend of Mr. Marvin. Oh, uh, what I came in for, Dr. Christian... I was wondering if you had my medicine ready. <laughs> I gave Roy Davis that prescription last night and intended to pick it up this morning. Well, I forgot all about it. Judy, you are no one get it, will you? Oh, I can get it. Oh, no, no. You sit down, Mrs. Marvin. I'll get it. It won't take me a minute. Well, with James Spence and Clark taking care of things, it looks as if your worries were over, Mrs. Marvin. I wish I could feel that way about it. Oh, in the first place, the grand jury might not indict Bob. And even if they do, Clark will... You'll get him off. You have anything to worry about. But what about Robert's job? After all this trouble, I'm afraid they'll let him go. And we need that income, Dr. Christian. And who's he working for? The Farmers Protective Organization. Is that something new here? Well, Bob says it's all over the state. It's a big concern. Their headquarters are in the city. He's been with them for two months now and getting along so well. Oh, I do hope they won't hold us against him. Well, if the law doesn't blame him for the accident, I don't see why the Farmers Protective Organization would. Yes, I know that's true, but... Oh, I suppose I shouldn't say this, but... I don't believe Robert's told all he knows about that accident. Hmm. What makes you think that? Well, Dr. Christian, I've tried to bring Robert up to tell the truth. He just isn't used to telling lies. He isn't good at it. And his story about being on that truck, it doesn't sound right. You have to tell the truth if the case goes to court. Doesn't he understand that? Well, that's what I'm afraid of. If your story isn't true, they'll soon find it out. And if he has to stand trial, they're bound to trip him up. Clark will see that he tells the truth. Clark wouldn't take the case if Bob were not telling the truth. Well, what would? What if Robert doesn't dare to tell the truth? Why? How do you mean? Oh, I don't know. The way he's been acting lately, I sometimes think that... I mean, he isn't at all like he used to be. Oh, I haven't noticed anything. Except that he was a little disappointed at having to give up college. Yes, he was. I simply couldn't afford to send him any longer. But when he went to work for the organization, he seemed quite reconciled. As I told him, there aren't many boys of his age, even college graduates, who could start in at a job at $125 a week. Oh, well, that is a good salary. Hmm. Well, what does he do for the organization? He's a salesman for the River's End District. Uh, but what I started to tell you... At first, he seemed very happy over his job. <laughs> I should think he would be. But lately he's been... Oh, I don't know exactly how to put it because he hasn't said anything. But he seems dissatisfied and morose. Well, I couldn't let him give up a good job. And I persuaded him not to. Here you are, Mrs. Marvin. Oh, thank you, Judy. Well, I, I guess I've taken up enough of your time, Dr. Christian. Goodbye, Mrs. Marvin. I'm sure you can depend on Mr. Clark. Yes, I know, Doctor. 
Goodbye, Judy. Goodbye. Ah, oh, I certainly feel sorry for her. Even if Bob isn't brought to trial, it must be pretty hard to have an only son accused of manslaughter. Hmm? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Judy, have we a city telephone to you, actually? Yes, I have one in my desk. Oh. Here. Well, look up the number of the... What was it again? The Farmers Protective Organization. Farmers Protective Organization? Uh, Farm Bureau, Farmers Insurance. Doesn't seem to be here. Oh, it must be. It's a big outfit. It's not listed anyway. Oh, maybe I can get it from information. Long distance, please. Hello. Say, I want to talk to the Farmers Protective Organization in the city. I don't know. They're not in the book. All right. Will you try? Yes, I'll hang on. Who are they? That's the concern Bob Marvin is working for. Huh. Come to think of it, until now, I never knew where Bob was working. Well, I just heard it myself. His mother told me. Hello? Yes? All right. He's getting them. His mother was afraid that... Hello? Farmers Protective Organization? I'd like to talk to someone about one of your men, Robert Marvin. Bob Marvin. Yes, he, he works for you here in River's End. Why, this is Dr. Christian. Are you sure? But I understand he... Hello? Hello! Huh? What? They said they didn't know any Bob Marvin. Nobody but that name ever worked for them. Well, not very polite about it either. Whoever was talking hung up on me. Oh, some dizzy girl at the switchboard. No, it wasn't a girl. It was a man. He said that he... Uh, is this Dr. Christian? Yes. I'm Jim Clark. Marvin has retained me. So... Oh, you're James Benson Clark. <laughs> well, uh, Jim will do. Well, how do you do, Mr. Clark? Uh, uh, this is Miss Price, my office girl. How do you do? So this is Judy. <laughs> well, I'm beginning to see why Bill Conway finds River's End so attractive. Oh, do you know Bill? Mm, I see him occasionally. I'm very well acquainted with his father, Senator Conway. I thought I ought to drop in, Doctor, meet you, and perhaps get a little information on the Marvin case. Yes, yes, of course. Come in here. Judy, you take old phone calls and she'll get through. All right. Sit down, Mr. Clark. Uh, thank you. I, uh, I just arrived in town recently. Haven't had much of an opportunity to look into this affair. But I understand that you and a Mr. Whitaker are the only witnesses. Well, there's also Pete Evans, who works at the center garage. Oh, yes. They did mention him. Well, now, uh, Dr. Christian, this man who was driving the milk truck, uh, couldn't he have died from other causes and in injuries sustained in the accident? For instance, suppose he had a bad heart and the shock of the collision. No, no, that wasn't it. He was killed almost instantly. His neck was broken. Oh, I see. How long have you known Bob Marvin, Doctor? Oh, for a long time. Ever since he was a little fellow. Never been in any trouble before, has he? No, Bob... He's always been a pretty nice boy. Uh -huh. A very quiet and well-brought-up boy. He'd never get into a scrape like this by himself. And if he did, he wouldn't lie about it. Well, who says he's lying? Well, I mean... That is, well... I have a hunch he's trying to shield someone. The fellow who drove the truck? The man Bob was riding with? Yes, and maybe a few others. Well, that's interesting. Go on. Well, commencing about two weeks ago... We've had a regular epidemic of smash-ups. I know all about them because I was called in to patch up milk truck drivers. Mm, the accidents always happen to milk trucks? Always to milk trucks. There were four of them. In the first three cases, the milk truck drivers were only boosted up a little. In the last case, the driver was killed. 
And you think there is some connection between these accidents? I feel positive of it. They all happened in the same way, about the same time in the morning, almost in the same place. A milk truck would be going along, another truck would smash into it, upset the milk cans, spill the milk, and keep on going. You're not trying to hook all these accidents up to Bob Marvin? No, no, not at all. That's why I say maybe there are a few others mixed up in it. Well, if we could prove that, it would certainly help Marvin's case. I mean, if there really were someone driving around at night, crashing into milk trucks, it would fit right into his story that he was picked up by an unknown driver. And what reason would anyone have for wrecking milk trucks? What motive? I have an idea that I can supply the motive, too. Oh, yes? Did you ever hear of the Farmers Protective Organization? No, not that I recall. Well, Bob Marvin has been working for the Farmers Protective Organization for about two months. They pay him $125 a week. It's a pretty good salary for a small-town boy. Yes, very good, I should say. Too good for an ordinary salesman. Anyway, I called him on the phone this morning. He told me they never had a Bob Marvin on the payroll. He didn't know anything about him. And what do you make of that? Simply that they're trying to hide the fact that he is connected with them. Hmm, perhaps he isn't. Well, he was paying him the... $125 a week? And for what? His mother tells me that he's still getting the money. Well, I don't see what this uh, farmer's organization has to do with the accident. I think the farmer's protective organization is a racket. I think they've been hiring young fellows like Bob Marvin to wreck milk trucks. The milk trucks of their men who don't belong to the organization. Mm, yes. Yes, I begin to get the picture. Still, I don't know how it would help Bob Marvin to show he's mixed up with a gang of racketeers. It would help if he could show he'd been forced into it. And that's what you'll have to do. But Marvin isn't going to tell the truth. He'll go to prison first. You think that they have scared him into keeping quiet? I'm certain of it. This is a lot bigger case, Mr. Clark, than merely getting Bob Marvin out of the jam. Your job is finding the man who is behind the racket and busting the racket right open. And if I can be of any help to you... You can count on me. Yes? Come in, Judy. Telephone for Mr. Clark. You can take it on this phone here if you like. Oh, thank you, Judy. Mrs. Clark? Yes? When? All right. All right, thank you. Bob Marvin has been indicted. Indicted? I'll move for an immediate trial. And before it's over, Judy, you're going to see some fireworks. happen in the home than on the highway. Most of them, fortunately, are not serious and prompt attention will result in quick recovery. Vaseline petroleum jelly has been a household standby for over half a century and will prove valuable in treating many of the minor injuries that do not call for medical attention. Take minor burns, for example. An application of a solution of bicarbonate of soda will relieve pain and thereafter the burn should be dressed with Vaseline jelly and a sterile bandage. If a blister forms, it is better not to break the blister, but to puncture it with a sterile needle and keep it dressed with Vaseline jelly and a gauze bandage or pad. 
Vaseline jelly is sterilized in the process of manufacture and packed in sterilized containers. It is harmless and safe, and it costs only 10 cents a bottle at any drugstore. When you buy Vaseline jelly, Vaseline hair tonic, or any other Vaseline preparation, be sure to look for the trademark Vaseline on the package. If you don't see it, you are not getting the genuine article. Prices of Vaseline products mentioned on this program, by the way, apply only to the United States. We take you back now to Dr. Christian's office. Hello? Oh, yes. Hello, Mr. Clark. That's right. Well, I've collected quite a bit of information on this farmer's protective organization. And before the trial next Tuesday, I'll have a lot more. <laughs> you bet there'll be fireworks. Say, there's someone at the door. May I call you back? Fine. What's your number? See the tree tree? All right, as soon as I see who this is. Is uh, this Dr. Christian? Yes. I hope I'm not disturbing you at this time of night. No, no, that's all right. Come right in. But I've just arrived in town, and I thought if I could see you this evening, I could be on my way back. Uh, my name's Freeman. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Freeman. Uh, won't you sit down? Oh, uh, yes, yes, uh, thank you. Oh, uh, here, have a cigar? <laughs> no, thanks. I prefer my pipe. Well, Dr. Christian, no use taking up time with a lengthy preamble, so I'll come right to the point. My firm's been looking for a man to make an inspection of certain dairies. Uh, dairies? Yes, yes. We want someone who has, well, who has a rather close knowledge of the dairy business, as well as a thorough and sound scientific background. <laughs> Frankly, the right man has been hard to find, so we've come to you. To recommend someone? No, to undertake the job. Oh, but I wouldn't be free to... <laughs> now, wait a moment, Dr. Christian. This won't require a great deal of your time. Many of the dairies are right here in this vicinity. So you can inspect them at your leisure. We wouldn't think of putting any pressure on you. Well, what is this inspection? What do you want me to do? Simply visit them and make a report on sanitary conditions, quality of milk, equipment, and, and so on. Working at odd times, you should be able to complete the job within a month or six weeks. Don't you think you could manage it? Well, I, I don't know. I've that... been authorized to offer you a salary of $10,000. $10,000? Yes. Yes, we think it's worth that much to get the right man. Just who is this firm you represent? The Farmers Protective Organization. Oh. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, one thing I should explain. The first group of dairies to be inspected is outside of the state. You'll be away, oh, possibly a week. I see. And we'd like to have you start next Sunday. Next Sunday, to be out of the state an entire week. Your offer wouldn't, of course, have any connection with the Marvin trial set for next Tuesday. I don't know what you're talking about, Doctor. We're making you a straightforward business proposition. If I should go away for a week, I'd have to get another doctor to take my place. Yes, yes, naturally. And we'd be willing to reimburse you for what that might cost. There'd be traveling expenses, too. Well, lumping it all together, including your salary, let's call it uh, $20,000. Payable when? Well, as long as I'm here, I might as well hand it to you right now, in cash. You know, Mr. Freeman, the Farmers Protective Organization must be a very profitable racket to be able to pay me $20,000. Racket? 
I'm afraid I don't understand. You understand, and so do I. You offer me a bribe of $20,000 not to testify at the Marvin trial. Oh, my dear doctor, I... Well, you're wasting your time. I'll be at the trial next Tuesday and I'll testify. And I'll have plenty to say about the Farmers Protective Organization. On second thought, Dr. Christian, we'll make that offer $30,000. $30,000 is a lot of money. More than you'll make in this burg in several years. Get out of this office. You're a physician, Dr. Christian. You know the value of health. For the sake of your own health, I'd advise you to take this dough and be out of the state all next week. My health is perfect. You're the one who needs a vacation, and what's more, you're going to get it. A nice long vacation. I was wondering who was behind this milk racket. Well, you'd better keep right on wondering. Now, listen, we've tried to play nice with you, but if you don't want to play nice, we can play rough. Maybe I can play just as rough as you can. Or a little rough. Yeah? <laughs> you know, it's funny. There was a certain milk truck driver who had that same idea. They buried him the other day. Well, that's very interesting. I'll remember it when I get on the witness stand. You won't be on the witness stand, Dr. Christian. You'll either be out of the state inspecting dairies or else. Will you get out of this office? Why, sure. But if I were you, Dr. Christian, I'd think it over. Cesar, sweet three. Hello, Mr. Clark. Dr. Christian, those fireworks I mentioned have already started. <laughs> Racketeers make good their threat and prevent Dr. Christian from testifying? Follow this story in next Sunday's broadcast for an unexpected turn of thrilling events. Don't miss it and tell your friends to listen. Meanwhile, get your request in early for Gene Herschel's album of Hollywood stars. Send 10 cents for it to Vaseline Products, 17 State Street, New York. This is a personal souvenir from our star, which is obtainable in no other way. A stunning book of 36 marvelous pictures from Gene Herschel's own collection of stills of famous motion pictures. It's the chance of a lifetime to get unusual pictures of such screen favorites as Sonia Henney, Norma Shearer, Clark Gable, Helen Hayes, Marie Dressler, Robert Taylor, and a great many others. Gene Herschel plays the title role of Dr. Christian and appears on this program through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. before we sign off, here is a timely tip. Chickenpox seems to be going the rounds among our school children. You can soothe the itching and help prevent pox marks from leaving permanent scars by the use of Vaseline carbolated jelly. Vaseline carbolated jelly is a blend of Vaseline jelly and one and one half percent carbolic acid. It is only ten cents a bottle, so don't let your child be uncomfortable a minute longer. Phone the drugstore for a bottle immediately. This is Arthur Gilmore bidding you good afternoon for the makers of Vaseline Preparation. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.